Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Peter Gammons of MLB Network joining us. Peter Gammons, MLB Network analyst. Firing up the Gam Cam for a chat with my guy, Peter Gammons. Hall of Famer, Peter Gammons on 670 The Score. He is the Hall of Famer, Peter Gammons. Joining me, Matt Spiegel, here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. We got one final bonus hit and run to say goodbye to the baseball seasons of the Cubs and the Sox. Look ahead to the offseason and talk a little bit of playoffs and more. And an absolute pleasure to welcome Peter Gammons on the Alpamani Ford Hotline. Alpamani Ford is in Melrose Park. Good morning, Peter. How are you? Good morning, Matt. I'm doing pretty well. I feel badly for the Cubs and White Sox, and uh, I think in you know, some ways, um, after all these years, like one of my fondest dreams is to have the World Series in Chicago, the two teams, because it's such a great baseball town. And uh, I can remember back in '77, after Sports Illustrated, and I did a story. The White Sox and the Cubs were both in first place hmm. in late June of that season. And uh, so I was doing a story. I, I I went to Wrigley in the morning, and I took the train. I took the the L out to to see the White Sox at night, and it was it was a lot of fun. And and unfortunately, neither team won. And um, it's sort of we've never had quite that that rivalry again. Yeah, it, it's one of the great white whales left in the sport, isn't it? A- along with the, the Indians winning a World Series. I think a lot of us now dream of Cubs Red Sox, obviously, at, at at some point for the ballparks and and the romance. But a crosstown World Series, I got to tell you, I'm I'm sort of oddly relieved that it doesn't happen this year with no fans in Texas. <laughs> you know? No, no, you, that's a great point. But it's just you know it. Uh, um, there, there are so many questions left over. I mean, I, I just, I just don't think I, I, uh, I, I can't really understand um, how the Cubs cannot score runs, um, and that three guys who are have been really good players who are in their prime, like Baez and Bryant and Rizzo, um, could be nineteen for one hundred and forty-two uh, in the postseason past. You know, post um, World Championship, um, there's no explanation for that. And the White Sox, I mean, I, I thought it might be a little tough for them first time around, but um, you know, now we just look forward and hope they get Kopech back and all sorts of things like that. But the, the Cubs, I think, were, 
as much as the White Sox took over parts of the town this summer, I think that the questions of the Cubs are far more um, compelling to try to answer. I think that's true. I, I think this particular offseason especially is there's so much on the table. We know so many of them are free agents at the end of next year, including Theo Epstein. And, and, and you wonder about some of the decisions they'll, they'll have to make. But before we look ahead to that, let's, I want to think about these past five years as the Cubs have tried to get there a second time. And, you know, once Theo and the Red Sox got there in 2004, they won 95 games the next year, took a bit of a step back and won 86 games the year after that. And then on the strength of Josh Beckett and still under Terry Francona, they charged back and won again three years later. And I, I thought that was going to happen in 2018, um, and then it, they, in 2019, they didn't even make the playoffs. But, but, you know, looking at it, why didn't it work out to get there a second time? And maybe they still will here in, in, this, in this next year, but it didn't, it didn't work out. And it, is it because of those offensive guys you mentioned and their sort of regression in, in the sample of the playoffs, or is it, is it something bigger than that? Well, I, I, and I think you, you throw in Schwarber, who yeah, I still believe is, is a terrific hitter. I mean, and uh, just a, it, they built that team. Remember, most of their, their high draft choices were, were were position players. And it looked like a really good position player team. And Ian Happer, great year. Uh, really became a, an outstanding player. But um, why it just didn't work for most of those guys um, over the over the last uh, three years. It just doesn't, or four years, doesn't really make sense. They were very close a couple of times, um, and they had very good seasons. But this season, it, it was almost like they were close, they were close, they were close, lost tough series. And then this year it was just, where is the, where is the fire, where is the passion, and so forth. It just, they're... Where's the where's the hitting? Uh, um, where's the offensive um, game plan? Or I mean, for each individual, I don't mean anything to do with coaching. I mean each individuals. I don't know where it all went, and, and uh, it's a really hard thing. I mean, to, to give up on Chris Bryant at this age in his um, in, in what should be his prime, knowing how much he loves to play, I. I it's a really, really tough call. I mean, I know he's a free agent um, soon, but at the same time, what's that really going to bring you on the open market, particularly in an off season in which I think agents and players are going to be stunned by what they get offered because the, 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 the you know, whatever, if it's however many millions, the, the, the industry lost because of the pandemic, I think we're going to see a, a, an offseason that go, plays right out in the March if we actually could start spring training on time next year, and that because of the labor agreement. Uh, that might not happen. And also, I mean, I just don't think that a lot of people are going to – I'm not taking one-year deals at such and such, and they may have to wait until they see other people in uniforms to do it. I think this is going to be 
one of the strangest off seasons in baseball history, following up the strangest season of my 50 years covering baseball. <laughs> oh man. It's just so crazy. Yeah. That the fact that Mookie Betts was able to get that deal from the Dodgers is going to be looked back at as miraculous. Isn't it? I, cause I can't, what are people going to face? Are there going to be four year deals out there? Five year deals. How do you bank on day of game revenue in 2022 or 2023? You don't know for sure when or if that's ever really coming back. Now, one general manager I really respect said to me yesterday, until we know there are going to be fans in the stands, this business is completely in a state of flux. We have no idea what what to expect. Because, I mean, I, don't, I think it'll take a couple of years for uh, fans to come back en masse. Um, just because, you know, listen, people have been home. The whole Zoom world has changed the way we live. Our lifestyles are different. Meetings, I mean, we're, back here in Massachusetts, a lot of people just, they go to the office twice a week. They do the rest from home. They're on Zoom. So they're home when their kids get off the bus. They're home. They eat dinner with their kids. They watch the games together with their kids. Um, and I think that there's a lot of getting used to it. And, you know, fighting the traffic and all the rest to get to ballparks. Um, that's a drawback. If you live in Boston, $100 for parking, I don't think so. And, you know, the cost of food at the ballpark, the ticket prices, um, I think it's going to take a a while uh, to get everybody back. And I think it's some of those cities where it's very expensive to go to the ballpark, both in terms of time traveling to the park, as well as cost of tickets and food and, and so forth. I think it may take winning a pennant or winning a world series to get them back the way they were, were back uh, a year ago. Hmm. Yeah. It's um, a friend of mine referred to these times as a big adjustment to the American dream kind of coming for a, a, a lot of people. And it's just, it can be sad when you let yourself think about it, Peter, you and I both love music, have played music together at, at times I played music the other night, uh, Peter, outside for 200 socially distant people in a little group in little groups, you know, separated in their pods where they were allowed to be. But you can only do that in Chicago through, I don't know, October 5th or so. And then I don't know when the next time I'm going to do that is. And it's uh, it's distressing to think about um life life in those terms. But but such is such is the reality of the moment, isn't it? Oh. I, I had someone from the Red Sox say to me that the sign that the business will be coming back to normal ballpark business is when music events um, sell whatever from twenty-five to 40,000 tickets again. Hmm. In Fenway Park for something Pearl Jam plays, I think there are usually forty-two to 43,000 people in the ballpark. Um, understandably so. Um <laughs> But um, it's uh, that made people may come out for music before they come out for sports more easily. It's, a, it's an interesting thought, but I just think it's anything. I mean, football fans, it's once a week. It's um, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're used to going out when it's like five below zero and snow and being blitzed and, and uh, being numb uh, to thought as well as uh, as uh, 
um, temperature. But <laughs> it's, it is different for if you're indoors at basketball, indoors at hockey, um, at baseball parks. It's and especially baseball because you play every day. So in, instead of going to say. 15 games if you live 25 miles out of the city. They may only go to three or four, and it's going to take time to get that back again. Mm. Hey, um, Peter Gammon's with us here on 670 The Score on Hit and Run. Uh, it, if, if you had a American League MVP vote, uh, how high up is Jose Abreu? I have marveled at his season, at his career, and I admit there's a little bit of a lifetime achievement component in it for me as I talk about it. But he's been wonderful this year. Well, well, I do believe leadership is a part of it, too. <clears throat> and when you look at all the young um, Latin players on that team and the way he plays, the way he came back in great shape, it was absolutely a, an astounding defender this year. I, I just I was amazed at the great defense he played. And I'm and, – I thought a major part of how much better the White Sox were defensively. I know they, they struggled a little bit in the playoffs defensively, but they had a great year in uh, defensively before that. And I, I really believe that he was a, such a part of it. I think uh, – I really believe that he is right there in um, – you know, I think he and Jose Ramirez are the two guys. Um, and I think, I think Ramirez in the end will win. Cause I think that, that Anderson will take, you know, if, if Jose mm-hmm. Abreu was going to get say a, a couple of third or second place votes that he needed, he might end up on a couple of thousand fifth or sixth place because of Anderson coming in higher. And I think that's just something to watch, but, um, you know, you, you I mean, I, people in where I live are constantly reminding me of what would have happened if the Red Sox had signed Jose Abreu, which they they could have done and didn't do. They chose uh, an outfielder who never actually played. And um, I think it's more than just the hitting. And I I just think it's all he brought. And I look at him as, as uh, Tony Perez to a little bit upper level. Um, and mm-hmm. that kind of impact on the team. And if you're, I mean, you, you would remember, I do, when Tony Perez was, was allowed to go to Montreal back in the 70s, Reds players up and down the line through the whole clubhouse said, this is the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. And it was. They didn't win again. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, th- there's that level of respect, and he, and he absolutely has it. I remember when... Yasmani Grandal uh, came here, and one of the first interviews that Grandal gave was right here on the score. And he was asked what he wanted to do with the White Sox, and he said, "Follow Abreu to the promised land." I mean, that's the level of res- that's the level of respect when a guy like Grandal comes to town, and he knows he knows who runs the room. You know, it's a big deal, and that that really counts. I mean, I you know, I mean, for whatever you know, I mean, I I know some analytics people would get very upset at hearing that, but I really believe it. I think there was really something about having someone be that guy and, and the leadership that goes in and the impact he has on young players. And Lord knows the White Sox have really good young players. Um, it was a great season for him. And I, you know, if I had a boat, um, I would have gone right to midnight 
uh, on the last day of the season, <laughs> trying to figure out which way to go with that between uh, Ramirez and and, uh, and Abreu. I um yes, yeah, some analytics people would would tussle with it, but not the smart ones, Peter. I, I Jed, <laughs> Jed Jed Hoyer has said that the biggest lesson he's learned in his career is how much the human component matters. You know, it's just you, you can't you can't be around this game for a lifetime and and, and disregard it. Um with that in mind, uh you know, Theo Epstein has always said that 10 years is is the the time limit. He's got one year left on his deal. I think I think most of us have expected him to move on to something else. Um do you suspect that that will be in baseball? Or, or do you think that Theo has has other aspirations? He's still a very young man at forty six. I think he could be in baseball. One of the great things about um, about Theo is he is he's a man of so many different, extremely intellectual. Has a he could do so many different things in business. I think in the creative arts. I mean, uh, I've always wondered what would happen if he decided he's going to plunge plunge into the uh, entertainment industry and go into the movie business and um, sort of take up where his grandfather was uh, many years ago. I and I, but I could also sit. I I wish he would go into politics, but I, something tells me he won't. Um, but and I, but I think if if um, part ownership came up. Um, I thought always, and this season changed that. I always thought there was a possibility that he could go to San Diego um, as part owner and have you know almost be a, a, the Billy Bean of, of, of San Diego. They've done so well in that ballpark, which of course um, he and Sam Kennedy and uh, Larry Lacino remember. Um, mm-hmm. being started as they went, they, they got to the World Series in 98 and got the ballpark built. I mean, that's to me, that that's almost the best baseball event there is. I mean, going to day games or early evening games in San Diego is about the best baseball experience there is now. And I could see him going there. I could see, I mean, um, I was a kid. My, my dream being a, a New Englander is to see uh, Theo, Sam Kennedy and Eddie Vedder own the Red Sox, but <laughs> <laughs> that long those are longtime buddies, uh, Theo and Sam Kennedy, one running the Cubs, one running the Red Sox, and and Vedder as the owner. That's that's entertaining. <laughs> that, that you know, I, I, that's one way to live out your your fifties and beyond. Yeah, uh, I think they'd be remarkably. I think they'd be tremendously successful, but. I have a little personal uh, stake in that, so it's, I mean, just because I'm so fond of all three. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, San Diego's done very well. A.J. Preller, I think, is a bit more secure than uh, than 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 perhaps uh, some people thought thought he would be. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it is amazing. I mean, I just, I've actually had a lot of fun with this playoff format. You can't do it every year. I, I get that. It's too many teams. But at the same time, it was fun. This season is such a, you know, so abysmal at times. I mean, when you think of, you know, the Miami Marlins playing 30 games of 27 days down the stretch and all the days of like St. Louis Cardinals 
spend at the Fister Hotel in uh, in uh, in Milwaukee. I, I once asked Andrew Miller, "How many innings did you throw firing the ball into your pillow in your hotel room?" You know. <laughs> and, but I mean, I thought I think this whole tournament thing has been great. I feel badly for teams that get upset. Like, Cubs are a better team than the, the Marlins. We understand that, but at the same time, there's there's a zaniness to it that mm-hmm. that um, um, people enjoy the the, uh, uh, the month of March in college basketball. This has a lot of similarities. I just never thought I'd see a nine pitcher nine inning shutout, uh, but we saw it. Yeah, yeah. Jace Tingler did a hell of a job for the. For the for the Padres in that moment, um, Ricky Renteria and the White Sox struggled in a in a in a similar moment. But this is, you know, Craig Council's been doing it great for a while. It's it it's it's quite it's quite something how uh, the game has has evolved. I I I suspect Peter that will still will stay expanded with the playoffs, but maybe maybe a, a few less teams. Um, you know, fourteen next year and beyond. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think and we're going to end up? Have- with? Don't have any series of one game. Make the wild card be three games. Hmm. I think that was really good. I thought it created some tremendous tensions and fascinating scenarios. But which one game really doesn't bring you? Um, I, I likened um, the one game playoffs to like barnstorming north with you know in the old days when teams used to take the train up from Florida or Arizona and. You know, barnstorm play one game in uh, Louisville or something. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 that's what the that's what the wild card has been. I think that they and I think they will. I, I do believe, even though Tony Petiti left, I do believe baseball will continue to be at least try to give thoughts to new ideas. I mean, this is a game, that, a sport that really was um, seemed terrified of new ideas for too many years. And some of the, exper- the experimental trials, tribulations, some were very good, some didn't work, but I, I think in the end, um, they made the best of a very bad situation. I just uh, I just pray that um, the pandemic is reined in by January or February, and um, um, we're on our way towards a new normal. I worry about the labor negotiations because I don't. I didn't think either side took a long view. I saw all along. The negotiations should be focused on what do we want the game to be in 2023, which is about the time when the game can be back to normal. And they never did that. They're all they're all focused on how much are players going to make it next year, how much are owners going to make next year, and there was no focus on the bigger issues, which makes these labor negotiations even more difficult. I, I just, I hope there's a whole new team of people negotiating by the time they get around to it, or um, we could be in for another nightmare of a year. Mm, yeah. Uh, they, it, it would be nice to see some long view and some, some cooperation. Um, so it's so great to hear you talking about the new ideas. I'm with you. I, I ended up really enjoying the man on second at some point, you know, maybe it doesn't happen right away in the yeah. 10th. Maybe you give him an inning to try and play it out normally. And then you do it in the 11th, but I don't miss 19 inning games, Peter. I, I, I bet most people I don't. don't. You know what? I was dead wrong. I thought it was going to be silly. I was completely wrong. I mean, um, I do think 
that games are better if they have a, just like in hockey, um, they have a fifth umpire in the press box, in a booth. He makes the call. He decides whether or not the play will be over, overruled and challenged. I don't think we need challenges. Um, and I think that misunderstanding of what teams actually have for electronic equipment and how they would go about the challenges led to what happened with the Houston Astros. Um, you know, they, they meant right. They just, um, they didn't understand. The people at MLB did not understand all the equipment and what's available to people in clubhouses. Um, but they do now. <laughs> and, uh, and I can, you know, I mean, also, you know, what's fun about the, the, the play, the American league playoffs. So it's just, it, it's incredible that the Yankees at Tampa hate each other. I mean, it's, and they're staying in the same hotel. I mean, I love that. It's, 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 and also just how much bitterness there is between Houston and Oakland. Uh-huh. And there's a lot more than just being, um, the title tailor in Mike fires. There's a, there's a lot of stuff there with Houston, um, which will make for a very interesting series there too. Um, and, uh, so it's, I mean, we we have that. We don't normally have that kind of hard feeling. We we've got it in both of the American League series. It's uh, I, it's a little different for the Dodgers and the Padres and the Braves and the Marlins, but um, we we have some. I, I'm um, I've been waiting for um, my favorite sports movie of all time is Slapshot. So I was kind of hoping that the Yankees and and the Yankees and uh, 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 Rays were going to turn into. Um, uh, slap shot. Um, the uh, the follow up. <laughs> well, Ke- Kevin Cash and uh, and Aaron Boone might take us there. We'll see. That's uh, incredibly entertaining. All right, Peter, you're the best. Um, last thing for you, your favorite Little Feet album. You can only take one Little Feet album to the desert island. I know you and I share them as a uh, as a love. Just one album. Well. I mean, I'm looking behind me, and I have the gold record from it, but um, it would have to be Waiting for Columbus just because there are so many great songs on that. And um, um, I still have to live with, uh, you know that you're over the hill when your mind makes a body. I promise that your body don't fill. <laughs> mm-hmm. But old folks boogie, and boogie they will, Peter. Boogie they will. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a that that's the goods right there. It's the best live album ever. I don't care if they did overdubs. I don't care. It's still the best live album ever. Uh, it's and actually, I was for about three of the songs. I was at the Orpheum Theater in Boston, and there were about three of them on that on that record that I was there live to see. Wow. So uh, it makes awesome. it even better. That's, that's how old I am. Yeah, that's <laughs> tremendous. All right, I'm going to crank all that you dream as soon as this show is over. Thank you, Peter. All right, Diamonds. that's a great one. All right, okay. All right, you're the best. Thank you, sir. Talk to you. That's Peter Gammons, the legendary Hall of Fame baseball writer um, and a good man, absolute good man. The foundation to be named later, which he and Theo Epstein um, work on together, the Peter Gammons Scholars via that foundation to be named later has been a tremendous, tremendous thing. And uh, you can check that out at foundation to be named later.org. It is Matt Spiegel here with you on hit and run. The final half hour of the hit and run season is upon us. I thank you so much for listening and interacting as you have all year long. 
The phone lines are open if you want to try and hop in in this last half hour. 312-644-6767. You can certainly react to anything that Peter said, anything that Steve Stone said earlier in the show. Theo Epstein's future, the Cubs' future, Ricky Renteria's future, all on the docket and the 2020 season in focus. Keep it right here and get involved on 670 the score it means a lot to all of us i mean i i think there's times during every year that we've been here that those guys in there too will probably say that we've taken each other for granted and you know you never really realize how long you have playing with each other and it's been incredible just to be here with those guys and just obviously see them on the field and see what they can do on the field but just as people and just as husbands and fathers and brothers you know it's just this group of people here in this organization and everybody in the city it's just it's just amazing it's it's been so fun Man, that's Chris Bryant talking and sounding there like the wide-eyed, happy, clean-living Chris Bryant we've come to know. Not cursing about his uh, his Twitter haters, which was entertaining, but, you know, wasn't him. I, I had held out hope last weekend that, that that was going to portend a devastating postseason run for Chris Bryant when he came out angry and showed up with the high socks all of a sudden and and wearing chains and cursing on zooms and homered a couple times against the uh the white Sox. but then man just wasn't there the power wasn't there again in the playoffs it's matt spiegel here with you on hit and run on 670 the score what a pleasure to talk to peter gammons we'll take your phone calls in a matter of uh of moments and and read some of your texts as we wrap up the show but all right so that was chris bryant there I mentioned that I had this and I wanted to hear this. And Jordan Maley is doing such a great job producing back at the station. I think we should play it now. This is Ron Coomer from yesterday on Chris Bryant um, being a different hitter mechanically. Coom has a great eye for mechanics. It was Coomer earlier this year that said to me, no, Craig Kimbrell doesn't need to add a changeup. It's mechanical. His issue is mechanical. He can get back to being his old Craig Kimbrell. And he talked to me about the issue. And in the couple days that followed that, Tommy Hadovy started to talk about it. Then they worked with him, and folks, they fixed Craig Kimbrell. So anyway, Coomer's good at seeing that kind of stuff on pitchers. He's even better at seeing it about hitters. I have not heard this discussed anywhere all year long. I wondered where the power went for Chris Bryant. Coomer said yesterday to me and Bruce Levine and inside the clubhouse that he thinks it is mechanical. And he references a home run that I believe was in game six of the World Series in 2016. The hardest part, Matt, is, is understanding this season for all of us, right? I mean, none of us had access to the players. Everybody deals with these situations differently with everything that's gone on. KB had a lot going on in his life as the season was starting. I'm sure there were questions whether he should play or not with a newborn baby in the house. Um, all those things are, are tough. What I saw, without knowing his mental state, right, and, and all of those things, mm-hmm. just because I was never around him, and KB is a great young guy, to me, there was a breakdown, a serious breakdown in the mechanics of his swing. And that was one. I, I got a chance before the playoffs to watch Game 7. and It's some of the World Series. Let's just say some of the highlight stuff of the World Series, but in particular, the ball he hit out of the ballpark in the second inning in the World Series late. I think it was either game six or seven. Was it game seven, Bruce? I think it was game seven. Anyway, it was a curveball, and he he put the front, front foot landed in his stride, and he paused right there, saw the pitch, bang, and he hooked that ball to left field in Cleveland and hit it a mile. That swing, to me, was so glaring. I went, whoa. 
There's KB. We never saw that this season because he had a breakdown. He had a lot of movement. He His upper body, we call it a top half lead or keep your head out of the strike zone. There's a lot of terms for, you know, old-fashioned terms that we would use when we were playing. But you saw his, his head moving forward a lot, and then when the pitch was in, him coming back away from the ball, right? When your head is moving like that, you can't recognize breaking pitches the way you should, the way he did in 16 when he was an MVP. You just can't. And we did not see him hit those pitches even remotely close. We saw a lot of off the bat, out in front, top spin lobs, even the balls he hit down the line. And I just think he needs to be able to get back to the recognition of the pitch and keeping his, his upper body still as the ball's coming. And he just had a really hard time doing that this season. Without that, you can't be a big league hitter. Wow. That's that's Ron Coomer. I didn't even get a chance to really react to it yesterday when he said it. But that's, you know, that's a guy watching KB and seeing him be off like that and being able to use his, his body to, to hold up in the middle like that and then still pull a ball and do do the thing. Uh, fascinating. And, 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 boy, if it's something like that, then, hmm. It'd be tough to give up. You heard Peter Gammons talk about it, how just awkward it is to even think about this idea of giving up on, on Bryant at this point in his life and career. But these are the decisions, the difficult decisions that people will have to make uh, in charge of the Cubs. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Going to take some of your phone calls here in the final half hour of the show. Top of the hour, it is Hubarkish. And it is Patrick Manley, and it is Olin Krutz with the Bet Rivers pregame show presented by Mail Medical. But right now, let's go to the phone lines. This is Matt in Lake Zurich. Matt wants to talk about that Cubs lineup, and he's on hit and run this morning. Good morning, Matt. Hey, how you doing? Very good, thank you. Uh, so, uh, that that Coomer leading about about Bryant kind of where I wanted to start. I, I feel like Bryant hasn't been right for a couple of seasons, and I and the way. Um, I go back to the injury that he sustained, and I just don't think he's ever been right since. And I, I think it's, I think it's physical and psychological. I think there, there's some physical and mechanical reasons that he's not right, and I think, I think there's also a psychological component. Um, right now, at this point in his career, I, I think he's one of the guys that has to move. And I, I look at who the Cubs have in house, um, and I, I think that David Bodie could be very productive playing every day. I, I like the productivity that he's shown. I'm not looking at any numbers in front of me or anything, but I like the productivity that uh, he he demonstrates when he's in the lineup. I think that right now at this point in his career that we, we get as much out of Bodie on a daily basis as we are with Chris Bryant. And, mm. uh, the other position that I think, and again, this comes to some in-house replacements, like uh, the Cubs really like Carantini, and he seems to swing it pretty well. When he's in the lineup, um, I think I think having guys in house on the bench that that could provide some um, productivity may not maybe not to exceed what a Chris Bryant or um, um, Wilson, Wilson Contreras. Wilson yep. Contreras. Uh, yep. I think you're thinking about. Yeah. No, I hear you, Matt. Thanks for the call, man. I I think you're going to see one of the 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 following scenarios, right? I think you're going to see. Either, as I floated earlier, trading Javi Baez and slotting in Nico Horner at shortstop. 
or what you just said, trading Chris Bryant and slotting in David Bodie at third. I think one of those is probably going to happen in this offseason. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them happened in the offseason and one of them happened in the first few months of next year. The economic realities are, are gross. And Gammon's alluded to it. Other people have alluded to it. It is, it is a brutal and scary time for the baseball industry right now. And they don't know when that day of game revenue is going to come back. And remember, the teams most affected by a loss of dependable day of game revenue are the Red Sox, the Cubs, the Cardinals. And Peter referenced some of the scouting and baseball operations people let go by the Cardinals this past week. Um, you know, those are, are really the, the, the three big ones in terms of day of game revenue. Yankees, too. Yankees, too. So it, it, it gets very, very difficult. So the Cubs are facing some serious, serious issues there. Continuing on the phone lines, Bill is in Milwaukee and is now on hit and run here on 670 The Score. Howdy, Bill. How you doing, Matt? Very good. Thank you. Um, so I think the White Sox are in a really good position right now um, to make like one, possibly two moves to just mm-hmm. shore it up. Um, you know, seven of their nine starting hitters, are signed through 2023, you know, Abreu being that, that one in 2023. And we're going to be stuck with Encarnacion and Mazzara. And I just think management-wise, if they don't show flashes of getting back, they have to be platooned. You know, we have enough people to platoon them. But the one move, you can't re-sign McCann. As much as I'd love to re-sign him, you can't. And then Colome is off the books next year, too. That's $16 million. Add another 10 and give it to Bauer. And maybe if you want to make a splash, you go get like minor from Oakland hmm. for a lefty in that four spot. But then it's pretty much short up. And that, and that gives that top of the rotation. They have enough arms to replace Colum, Colome at the end of the um, bullpen. I agree with and that. Then, I agree with that, Bill. Hey, hey, thanks for the call, man. I, I just want to make sure we squeeze in as many people as we can. I agree that they can replace Colome in-house, whether it's Cody Hoyer um, doing that job or, um, or Aaron Bummer doing that job. If you end up with another lefty, you can trust pre Bummer. Um, Colome has been great and should not be minimized, but I, I agree. They can do that. I think there will be one free agent starting pitcher. Is it boy, Trevor Bauer would be phenomenal. Obviously would be, would, uh, uh, you are, you are the favorite in the American league central. If you add Trevor Bauer, absolutely. And you might be the favorite anyway. But you're the favorite if you add Trevor Bauer. How about Marcus Stroman? Um, how about Taiwan Walker from Toronto? That's a much lower name, lower cost, but interesting arm. Uh, Jake Odorizzi, if you want to steal from the Twins, although he did not have the kind of year that, that, that you wanted, and he's more of a contact guy. So maybe not. Bauer is the dream. Absolutely. He likes Tim Anderson. Messes around with Tim Anderson. And I, I, I don't know if Don Cooper and Trevor Bauer could coexist, but I sure would like to watch it. Oh, yes, would I like to watch it. Let's grab one more. Brian is in Lombard on 670 The Score. Good morning, Brian. How Good morning, Speaks. Uh, you know, first off, just a sincere thanks to you for all your knowledge and passion every Saturday and Sunday morning. It's been wonderful. Uh, my happy place is coffee, Sudoku, and 
listening to you <laughs> and all the great <laughs> guests that you have, like Peter and Kevin. So, uh, so just wanted to thank you for that. And I, I still look forward to Saturday morning for sure. But, you know, really just a simple question for you, Matt. Assuming it's back to 10 teams that get in next year, hmm. uh, do you think the Cubs even make the playoffs with all the pitching and hitting and contract issues that oh. they have? I have no idea what this roster is going to look like, man. I wish I could tell you, Brian. It's possible that the entire core comes back and they just make one more run at it together. And if that's the case and they uh, and Lester goes away, but they shore him up with a well-chosen starting pitcher, then, yeah, they could win that division. The, the, the Brewers took a step back, and they're not going to be infusing cash there anytime. The The, the Reds are going to lose Bauer. And uh, and Joey Votto didn't step forward. The Cardinals will be the challenge. Um, you know, at, at 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 five teams, you'd be looking at two wild cards, and I I don't know. As good as the, I mean, I assume the Nationals are gonna make a run to get back here, and you'll get health and performance from Strasburg and Scherzer. So probably not. But I don't think it's gonna go back to ten. I think it's gonna go to fourteen. I really do. Uh, I think you're gonna have four wild card teams. In each league, and they will both uh, those four then will play their own little mini tournament. One will emerge, and the three division winners will have rested for a few days, and then they will host series. Uh, two of them will anyway. All right, I lied. One more, Ron on the south side. Very quickly, I got to talk to Ron. Ah, we got a break. I, Ron, I love you, man. Thanks for calling. Thanks for being you. Thank you to all you callers and texters all year long for being you. You guys have been great. It's uh, a little bit more hit and run before we get out of here for Bears pregame. It's Matt Spiegel with you on 670 The Score. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on The Score. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It is one final episode of Hit and Run, the final couple minutes. And you know what? I threatened to do it. I'm doing it now. We're going to talk to Ron on the south side if he's still there. Oh, my God. He's gone. What happened? Jordan Maley, what have you done to me? I'm just kidding. Jordan has done a phenomenal job producing today on a moment's notice. A pleasure to work with you, Jordan. A pleasure to work with Sean Anderson all year long. And, uh, and everyone else who has uh, been a part of things. I think I had Adam Stadzinski one Sunday morning. I don't know. But, man, it, it, it's great. It, I think you know, and listeners have been kind this morning in texts and tweets and uh, some on the phone lines. I think you know how much I value getting a, to be able to be here. And we had, man, this was year one in a crosstown classic window of both teams being good. They were both in first place for 25 days at the same time. Three times in 114 years have the Cubs and Sox made the playoffs together. Three times. Four times in 11 years, the Dodgers and the Angels made it together. Six times in 25 years, the A's and the Giants have made the playoffs together. I think it's three times in a 14-year span or four times in a 14-year span for the, for the Yankees and the Mets. They had a World Series. The A's and the Giants had a World Series. Hell, the Cardinals and the Royals had a, uh, had a World Series. The Cubs and Sox remain one of the great white whales. Let's get another year next year in the window. Come on, Cubs. Stay good. 
or thread the needle with one of those trades to restock and reload as you continue. Thanks so much to you listeners all year long. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I, I know that I did. All right, it's football season. But in the meantime, go Padres. I'm going to say Padres and Rays is the World Series I'd like to see. But guess what? If this is the year we get Dodgers-Yankees, that'd be tremendous theater. And you know MLB would be happy about that. Thanks, everybody. The Bears pregame show is up next. Have a wonderful day. And you can find me on Twitter at MattSpiegel670. And that's also go to MattSpiegel.com. You'll find the list, the 20 best things about Chicago baseball in 2020. You'll find it there at the top of the website. Have a wonderful day, everybody. And see you next spring. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 